Welcome to uh, another post-game edition of the Boilers Extra podcast. It's not Boilers After Dark. It's Boilers... Getting dark. Uh, sundown. Yeah. <laughs> Towards sundown, I guess. As the the dawn of victory rises, <laughs> the actual sun wow. begins to set. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us. That's enough. <laughs> That's enough of that. Uh, Purdue wins. 30-13 to 13 over Boston College. And a team that was... Uh, masquerading as a ranked team came to Ross Aid Stadium uh, today. I, I mean, I I think Boston College as a nice team, and you know whatever things happened to them today, um, I, I think it was more of a product of uh, them not playing a very difficult schedule coming into this, and Purdue having some close losses, getting some frustration out, type of thing. But get to that um, in a minute. And the one thing I wondered about coming into this game after three straight losses was what would happen to Purdue. It would kind of go one of two ways. They would get blown out. And how would how would they react to that? Or today would happen. And today happened. They got on top of a team. They got top of an opponent. The defense got some got some more pressure. Uh, they, didn't, they only had two penalties for 25 yards. Um... And, you know, they got four turnovers. So things came together for them today that really hadn't come together in the first three weeks of the season. And it, it was a much-needed victory for a lot of reasons, but they have a victory, and now we get to sit in the truck and talk about it. In a lot of ways, this is a perfect companion podcast to the one that we did earlier this week leading into this game where we talked about how good is Purdue or how bad is Purdue, where does it fit on the proverbial bell curve of college football and through three games they kept finding ways to sabotage themselves there'd be self-inflicted penalties and at, at the worst possible time other little miscues they'd have the replay review go against them today you know they did have a couple fumbles so I guess they weren't completely turnover free but they won the turnover battle they didn't commit ridiculous penalties at the most horribly inopportune time uh they had one big replay review that went in their favor when actually now that we look back at it it was really close and maybe shouldn't have but it it goes for a huge play in their favor it just the breaks went their way and the volatility swung back in Purdue's favor today sometimes you just need those breaks to make a difference now having said that they did noticeably play well in a couple of areas and one being the defense as we were sort of just talking there in in the Ross Stadium press box after the game I, I thought really the key to this game was you know Boston College came in just so adept at running the ball and you wondered what Purdue's defensive line really the whole front seven was going to respond to that and they stepped up and were kind of repeatedly stopping them um, or at least containing them a little bit on early downs that set up what they were able to do on later downs when they again by design came in and wanted to be more aggressive getting after the quarterback a little bit more just getting more pressure it was just a the the whole thing just synced up today better than it had in any of the first four games well I really like how they defended the run and kept Dylan from really getting outside and turning a corner yeah um and I thought you you start with the defensive line being able to occupy those blocks and also get some pressure and move the line of scrimmage back a little bit. But I, I really think, and you know, I'll go back and watch the, the, the game replay of this, but I really thought the linebackers really flowed into the open holes really well. Bailey, Barnes, even Cornell Jones, uh, 
got to their got to the spot, recognized what was going on, got there quickly, and then made a play. Uh, and I, I just I thought it was it was similar to watching last year's defense in a way where yep. that that front group would occupy those blocks, get some pressure, move the line of scrimmage back a little bit, but then you had Juwan Bentley and T.J. McCollum and, and Marcus Bailey coming in and just cleaning up things and and making plays. I, I don't recall, I'm sure that, you know, when the coaches go back and look at the film that there'll be some missed tackles, but I don't recall many at all, if if a handful, that, right. that happened, and none that happened in any key situation. So I, I really thought, you know, that was going to be the emphasis coming into this game, was going to, to, to stop the run and force them to pass. Uh, and even though they'd put up some gaudy numbers from a passing standpoint, uh, it really wasn't, you know, who they played and stuff. But you know, give give credit to Purdue's defensive line, uh, the linebackers, and even the secondary, uh, and then for Nick Holt for, you know, he said they'd be a little bit more aggressive, and they were, and they changed up a few things, and um, it, it paid it paid off today. Not only do you not look back and, and remember any like glaring missed tackles, I remember thinking during this game, just recognizing how often they were making really nice tackles. It was it was Marcus Bailey. It was other guys though. Who, like you say, they're they're getting penetration, they're getting through the the, the mess that sometimes happens during the line of scrimmage, and they're wrapping a guy up and pulling him down, or a guy that would have broken a run. All of a sudden, he's got a guy on his hips who's dragging him down after just a few yards. And I think that's the most positive thing for Purdue from a defensive standpoint. And some of their success today was maybe matchup dependent. Maybe Boston College is just a better fit for them to face defensively than, for instance, a team like Missouri. But the things you're talking about, setting the edge especially, that's not really a schematic thing. That's more just a guy going up against the guy across from him. Exactly the things that we were talking about really through the first three games. Guy going up against the guy right across from him, winning that matchup, and just going hard, being aware, using his hands, getting off of that block, and and being there to set the spot and, and force that run back to the inside. And they were consistently doing it today. And if, if that's something just from an attitude Standpoint, if they can just be assertive like that defensively going forward, I, I don't think they're going to just shut teams down going forward the rest of the way. They're probably going to have another performance at some point this year that looks like a step back in the wrong direction because there is still youth here. There's still a lot of guys learning on the job. But just the confidence that they can take out of a game like this and just the the attitude that they exhibited today, if that can carry forward, it's going to help kind of set a, a more solid baseline that they can just build every game on. Well, I, I told a couple people before the game, you know, they're asking about, you know, BC and their schedule and Purdue and their schedule. And I, I thought that, you know, and I, I, I firmly believe Purdue played a better schedule, uh, played a better group of opponents than, than, than Boston College had. And at some point, that does pay off for, for a team like Purdue where you're going against – I know Northwestern's one and two, and they've lost to Duke and Akron. Uh, Eastern Michigan is a middle of the level uh, MAC team, but you know Missouri, I, I think, is a good team. But still, at, at some point, playing those teams has to pay off or does pay off. And I thought we saw it last year when Purdue played Louisville out of the gate. Then they ended up playing Missouri well. You know, they were not going to beat Michigan and some of these other teams, but as they got deeper into their season. I think the strength of schedule really helped uh, Purdue last year. And I think we saw a little bit of a payoff 
by what happened in those first three games combined with being 0-3, I thought really helped Purdue in this situation today, especially defensively, because Boston College really didn't throw anything at them they hadn't seen. It was just different players. And they got in the right position and, 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 and made those plays. You know, there were times in this game where things could have gone bad for Purdue. I mean, they uh, miss an extra point. They were having a bad day overall, really, on special teams. Um, it wasn't. It, it, this wasn't a complete uh, dominant effort in all facets from the beginning of this game. Uh, but I thought, you know, this game turned when, again, you keep getting the ball in Rondale Moore's hands. That seems to be it's not just the yardage that he's getting, but it's just the excitement he brings into the stadium. And then I, I thought just a huge play was the interception on Boston College's last possession of the first half. When mm-hmm. they, Even though they only got three points out of that, extends the lead at the time to, uh, I think it was 23-7 to seven at that time. Um, and, and that's with and that's with bringing in a kicker off of the or yeah twenty three seven that's bringing in a kicker off the bench because Spencer Evans is ill or um, was hugging or, a trash or, can or, or was making Jeff Brom sick <laughs> one or the other um, with with another missed PAT whatever the reason was he wasn't in there they go to, to J D Dellinger and it's only twenty one yard field goal but he showed later that's not a gimme for him right no. now anyway so to 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 disrupt BC there to get more points on the board against especially against a team that was going to have trouble I think coming back from a big deficit and and just to sort of punctuate that half I mean they they held BC to what minus 14 yards in in the the second quarter second quarter I mean that was I don't remember the last time even last season Purdue didn't have a lot of games where it would go up against a power five team even for one quarter just smack them like that I'd like to know the last power five matchup that had uh, a team had negative yards in a quarter for for Purdue? No, or just for Purdue, anybody? anybody. I'm just kind of, you know, I'm sure when you play well, Rutgers, per- that happens. Purdue if may have done it actually a couple of years ago. They had some, if you may remember, <laughs> that like that Penn State game, or they, they had some rough games in there. But um, no, I mean, I thought it, it was, and to me, you look back at the first half of that Northwestern game, that defense looked like, a lot of those guys looked like, what are we doing out here? Like, it was a shock to those guys, I think, a little bit. And then even a week ago against Missouri, you still had – I know Purdue was only rushing three guys, but in theory that should have given them some benefits downfield, and they were just getting beat repeatedly uh, at the at the catch by these guys. And then this week I, I thought you saw both facets. I mean, they they, they, they just had a way more – a lot of success early in the in the downs, in, in the possessions. That set them up to be more aggressive. You know, I think – I know Nick Holt wanted to be more aggressive coming into this week, but I don't know if – Purdue doesn't have the success it had on early downs if that doesn't open the door for them to to do that on the later downs. Well, they kind of needed yeah, both halves. They, they didn't they didn't play on their heels right. today. They last week they were on their heels. This week they played downhill more because they had that as you mentioned success not only early in the game but on early downs that allowed them to do that and it you know another another key thing that happened today, you know, I think in all of our opinions that were sitting in the press box is the shift of Derek Barnes to he played some Leo position, which is a hybrid defensive end linebacker uh, spot that uh, Danny, Danny Izachuku played last year, and they, they shifted him on most likely in more nickel situations than anything else because he is one of their better pass rushers. And starting him on the line of scrimmage, whether it's on the left side or the right side, gives him a cleaner look and a better opportunity to, to bull rush a, a tackle, mm. uh, get a one-on-one matchup that he could potentially win as opposed to him trying to fight through the middle of the offensive line. And he came up with a lot of big plays today. It was a different look uh, than Purdue 
than Purdue had shown uh, in the first two games. And it, it really wasn't a huge thing because you still had your three down linemen, but you're adding this piece over here of a guy that can can get to the quarterback. And, you know, as Brom said after the game, they've got to put guys in position to get to the quarterback. And that's what last week was, you know, I think they might have done it a little bit against Missouri, but I don't think they did it as much today or as as as, as much as they did today as opposed to last week. But I thought that was kind of a, uh, an interesting, uh, interesting thing that they did uh, with, with Derek Barnes. And uh, moving forward, I assume they keep it, but do you also slide some other guys into that role in trying to, A, keep Derek fresh, but also – um, you know, come come with a different look to, to teams. Well, I mean, there's still, I mean, we're, we're four games in, so you're pretty deep into a season, but there's just still so much youth on, on defense. I think you're still going to be finding guys and, and putting them in new spots and, and moving things around and seeing what works. I mean, you also saw, I thought, you know, Barnes got great um, penetration one time off of sort of like an inside stunt that they ran where he came off the inside and, and cut back inside oh, yeah, yeah, and got yeah. some pressure. And I had not seen Purdue run a play, a defensive stunt like that, I don't think at all yet this year, or certainly one that didn't stand out like that. In retrospect, this seems like an almost a no-brainer decision that they've made putting him there because you feel like it's it's probably at worst a – even if it's even if it's a draw as far as the pass rush, it's a net positive with the other things he can do in, from that same formation on those passing downs that, it, in theory, a, a normal defensive end couldn't do. You think he'll be able to help you in pass coverage if you need him to or whatever. So I, I, I'm really intrigued by really all three of these linebackers, what they can do now as a unit between between Bailey, Cornell Jones, and Derek Barnes. You know, coming into the season, we you knew Bailey was legitimate. I, I, I think he's just probably going to end the season as like one of the underrated players still in the Big Ten because he may not get the chance to star the way he would have if you took him now and put him on last year's defense or whatever. But those other two guys are really coming along. And I've said kind of my personal theory all along was as, as Purdue still – Purdue has to find a way to maintain the success that it built in the last few years at linebacker. I thought there was kind of a void there for a long time, and it happened to coincide with um, – a void in victories for Purdue football for a, a, a long stretch. And if they can keep that, I mean, you're, to be successful in the Big Ten, I think you're still going to have to be strong at that position. And it's the signs are strong that for these next couple years, at least, you know, with Bailey there and these other guys coming up behind him, I think they're going to be, um, you know, especially next year. If Bailey's still around next year and now these two guys have a whole other year of starting experience, you, you're starting to look at probably one of the better linebacking units in the Big Ten. Well, you have the whole front seven coming back next year. Exactly. Yeah, right. I mean, and, 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 yeah, not to discount the strides that this defensive line is making. I mean, where, where is Purdue in this game if they don't get those two tipped passes that fall back in the hands of defensive linemen? I mean, you know, in, in some ways that's a little bit – fluky passes get batted around all the time and those just happen to get batted right back to Purdue but um huge plays I mean and and part of it is maybe those guys aren't yet where they're going to be a huge impact as far as the pass rush but when that when the quarterback drops back if you're not there yet you can jump up you're a big body you can make a a play like that and I mean a big momentum changer both times today well I mean to me that's coaching because I'm at practice every day or mm-hmm. whenever they allow us. And it's all, I mean, they're always taught to get your hands up, get your right. hands up, get your hands up. And that, you, you, whether they saw something on film that he threw a, a low ball or whatever, but these guys getting their hands up is, is a positive sign that 
the, the coaching aspect of it to me is, is, is taking place and taking hold that you can, you can change the game. You can change a play. You can change a series by just doing the simple fundamental things, which they did today, and, and they saw the payoff. Now, offensively, it wasn't the gaudy 600-some-odd yards that they produced. And, you know, David Blau, I guess, had an average game. Only 296 yards passing. No, and, and, and he he had a great game because of his efficiency. He was, was under 21 of 28. He I was think? 21 of 28, uh, and it was extremely efficient. But he was sacked five times, and I would say two, maybe three of those are on him, because he, he yeah. held the ball too long. He was yeah. under he was under duress more this week than he was last week, and immediately you think, well, the offensive line didn't do its job. He I, I thought two or three times he just held the ball too long. Uh, waiting for it, but that's that's the balance between what Brom wants him to do, and then staying staying in there. He wants to let those second level routes develop down the field, uh, and sometimes you just don't have that kind of time. Uh, but you also have to just throw the ball away, and that's something that you know he's just coming to grips with. I understand he's a fifth year senior and he should know that stuff, but um, but he he just he looks comfortable now. In the pocket, he looks comfortable throwing the ball. He he says he's seeing the field well, which uh, is the case. Um, he did have a fumble today, but you know you're up by double digits, so it doesn't hurt you. Same with Zico. Um, so I, I thought the quarterback had a good day. They they the final total in the rushing will say they ran for 76 yards, but you're you're counting the five sacks in there. Uh, but when you look at Knox and Jones, they ran for 91 yards on 28 carries. Uh, it's, you know, three, three and a half yards yeah. a carry. But um, just the fact that they came out and ran the ball, you know, I think they committed to it more this week than they did last week. And just having a little bit of balance there, I also think just opened things up in the passing game a little bit more uh, for them to to get on top of this team and then play with the lead for a significant period of time for the first time all year. Yeah. I think they came out and they were throwing on, on first down a lot early in this game. And then it sort of changed later in the game. Once they had a lead, they were going to protect. I thought they became a little bit more conservative with it, but you saw what they were trying to do early in the game. I think it was even the very first play of the game where, uh, or the very first play for Purdue where they, they dropped back on first down and then they ended up essentially being a coverage sack for BC. They had um, you know, Purdue covered well, and you're right, Blau didn't get rid of it soon enough. And there were, you know, as 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 much as you look at 30 to 13, this game, that's a little bit of a deceiving score because BC scores late, kind of just in an afterthought kind of way. And then Purdue left points on the field, not just in the 21-yard field goal that clanged off the uprights, but also they had a sack that took them out of field goal position one time. Um, if if Zico doesn't fumble, that that again, it doesn't seem that harmful because it essentially worked as a punt that flipped the field. But if he doesn't fumble there, they're in good position to keep a drive going for points. So it's they 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 have things from an offensive standpoint. That I think they'll go in and say, you know, it it, it it was very much reminiscent of last year where the the defense really set the tone and the offense was kind of opportunistic. Uh, Obviously, the big difference being that now you have a Rondale Moore. But I think they'll look at it and say, boy, what could we have really done? You know, we really could have made a statement to this game if if the offense capitalizes maybe as well as the defense did today. Yeah, and there's again, you're in game four, and there's plenty to work on and plenty, you know, they're going to face much better teams uh, coming up where those possessions are going to be more costly. But in the big picture... Uh, in my opinion, this was a season-saving game for Purdue. Uh, you, they couldn't they couldn't go to 0-4 and have any really hopes of 
uh, of getting to a bowl game. When you look at the schedule, when you still had Ohio State and Michigan State and Wisconsin left on your schedule, and those, to be to be honest, are just those are going to be three losses that they had that they were going to suffer. And if you're 0 and 4, that takes you to seven, and you just can't get to a bowl game that way. Right. So in my opinion, this saved a season and put them on a path, and they still have a small window to potentially get to three and three at the halfway mark, which. You know, I think if you go back and look at the uh, the early predictions we were doing, we were doing game by game, and you know, I think maybe four and two, three and three were the things that were talked yeah. about. So they still have an they still have an opportunity, and it's probably a better opportunity than we thought at the beginning of the year to to go into Nebraska and you know maybe win that game because we no one knew what Nebraska was going to be this year, but after the first their first Oof. three games. Uh, and, and, and Purdue's not Michigan, and Purdue can't roll them like Michigan rolled them today. No, especially so, in their own house. No, I mean that's that's not going to happen. And now you're you, now you're facing a program. And I don't get too far ahead of ourselves here, but you're facing a program that is going to be similar to what Purdue was today. Desperate. Mm-hmm. You know, you you are desperate. You're at home. It's homecoming. It's Purdue coming to town. So you can't. You know, that's not a game that Nebraska people expect you to lose in any way right uh so but the opportunity is is now there for purdue to build a little bit and and kind of save their season and get it to a point where you're still in position to achieve what you want to achieve and that couldn't happen without this win today i mean they were already in a place where there was no margin for error left i mean you couldn't any game starting today that they had lost the rest of the season other than those big three meant that they had to go upset one of those big three in order to even get the six so you know it's it's still not an easy road but you start to you 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 allow yourself to kind of i think look and see what maryland did at minnesota today you you know indiana i don't think it's gonna be any kind of a gimme win but if you can all you got to do is get yourself to five wins going into indiana and give yourself a chance um you know illinois looked pretty good for three quarters and then looked um miserable for (laughs) fourth quarter and so i still don't know exactly what to make of that game purdue going into illinois in a few weeks um but it's it's in a it's in an interesting juncture if purdue were coming off another win and then allowed themselves to look past illinois maybe that could be a problem i don't know but um they're also gonna have the bye week i guess to get ready for that game that probably helps a little bit in terms of focus so um it's it's you're right If, if 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 this season can still be in order for this season to have, I think, a successful culmination for Purdue, whether that means a bowl or not, I think today's win means a lot because it allows you just to accumulate more wins. And more importantly, you get to take what people thought was sort of the weakness of your team, well, is still the weakness of your team, that defensive side of the ball, and say, that's what won us this game. We can win with our defense if we have to. Right, but it's also going to depend on the opponent. Uh, yeah. You know, when you play Ohio State, uh your defense, <laughs> it's going to face absolutely your yeah. off, your offense is it's going to be like the Missouri game. You're going to have to keep try to keep up in some absolutely, fashion. Yeah. But Michigan State and, and some of these teams that you're going to play, but it, it's a big step forward for the defense. Not only the way they played, but also just think from a confidence standpoint. I mean, the con- I, I I don't think this team ha- had lost confidence. I don't know if they had confidence to begin with. There was some, On defense, there, I think that was definitely yeah, a factor. Yeah. yeah, they had moments in the season where I think they had some confidence, uh, but 
they, they, they certainly have that now. And we saw last year, once that confidence got ingrained mm-hmm. into this team, into last year's team, it, it kind of, it took off into a, a pretty good direction. It got some things happened toward the end of the year where they, you know, they struggled and then had their backs against the wall where they had to win three straight. But if they take this confidence now and keep it and don't, and now learn, now they should know how to overcome adversity in the game, then, you know, I think that will serve them well. But as important as this game was, I think Nebraska is now even a bigger, a bigger game because of where you need to get to uh, once you get to the middle of October. Yeah, you still look back at last year and think that the loss to Louisville in some ways was as big as any win that Purdue got just because of what it meant to instilling some confidence in that team. And that's what they were missing from these first three games. They all, The losses kept happening in ways that couldn't instill confidence or against a program like Eastern Michigan where you couldn't really take any confidence, any, any positive really out of that win. They needed a day like today probably where it was – not, there's nothing fluky about today. I mean, a, a pretty good team came into Ross State Stadium, and Purdue whooped them um, just straight up. And that's something that they can build on going forward. It's not going to happen every week, but it can be the springboard maybe in some of these other games that are there to be won that it, it can make a difference. Yeah. We'll delve into deeper topics coming up next week on the, uh, uh, what do you call that, that we do uh, like during the week? What's the like the full whatever or... Uh, Boilers extra. I don't uh, know. It's, I thought you I, had a name for it. Uh, no, not really. But we'll 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 take your suggestions for more, those of you who are listening. Uh, it's not more in depth, but it was like uh, full Monte or something like that. I the don't full know. Monte. Hey, I don't know what it was. <laughs> we are not doing a full Monty <laughs> version of the no, podcast for those of you who've seen the movie. <laughs> no, it was you had a name for it though, and I just can't remember it. Uh, we'll have right to go now. back and listen. Anyway. Yeah, that's our recap of uh, Purdue's 30-13 to win over Boston College. First win over a ranked team since 2011. First win, first homecoming win since the same year, 2011. Wow. Oh, they haven't they haven't won a homecoming game since uh, since that time, and also uh, uh, largest margin of victory over a ranked team since uh, 1999, when uh, Nick Saban was coaching uh, Michigan State. Uh. They, I think Purdue ran him out of East Lansing. <laughs> well, things turned out okay for him. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's starving right now. No, I think he's doing <laughs> quite well. Hey, for uh, those of you who come back on Tuesday, I will have uh, an interview with new Purdue basketball commit Brandon Newman. I talked to him last night, and we'll include that with uh, Tuesday's Boilers Extra when that goes up in the uh, afternoon. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can tell everybody where they can find us. Um, I'm at JC. You are at Carmen underscore JC. Um, what about the podcatcher? Oh, but the podcast itself. <laughs> yes. You can find us all over the place. That's actually the good news now. Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, iTunes. We're everywhere, which you probably already know if you're listening to this. But if uh, if not, if you want to go to those places, subscribe, um, rate us, give us feedback when available. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you next week with a fuller edition of Boulders Extra.